Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the entrepreneurs, business executives, and community leaders, sparking the rise of the greater Bentonville area, which represents one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities and economies in the United States, and is nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. I'm your host, James Bell, and this special series spotlights the Northwest Arkansas Technology Summit, featuring live recorded conversations with the thinkers and the doers shaping the future of global tech right here in Bentonville. We're bringing together voices from the event to share their company stories, personal insights, and those unique hashtag Because Bentonville moments that define our community's character. Join us as we explore the innovations and experiences that are driving growth and fostering a culture where technology meets the essence of Bentonville. Okay, let me introduce you to Paul Jones, who is the head of flight training and a pilot for Gravity Industries. Paul, welcome to the Bittenville Beacon Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. It's quite exciting. It's my first ever podcast, so I feel feel good. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, speaking of first, today's the first time I got to see, not in a video, but in person, a jetpack and in use, and you were flying it, and I can still smell the jet fuel, and thank goodness I had earplugs in because it was loud. It was amazing. Yeah, it so, is pretty loud, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will you talk about uh, what in the world you were doing out in the parking lot flying around at a jetpack and yeah, what Gravity Industries is all about? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So we're here at uh, the NWA Tech Summit. Um, it's a fantastic place to be here in Bentonville. Everyone's so welcoming. It's fantastic. Um, so we got invited here by the, uh, by the organizers to come do a flight and a talk the events. Um, so we went outside and, and I flew the uh, the jet suit that we have. Um, so yeah, Gravity Industries is this pioneering company um, founded by our chief test pilot and owner, Richard Browning. Um, he started it about six years ago with this crazy idea that you could integrate human flight into your body. Um, so what did he do? He bought a jet engine and then played around with it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a field. So um, from that, it's kind of developed up into this working jet suit that we have and fly around. So it's an incredible piece of kit. That's amazing. Yeah, so yeah. will you talk about uh, uh, industries uh, that you serve or what the future of Jetpack Flight is? Yeah, definitely. So the company's got lots of different avenues of what we do. So um, everything from entertainment side of things. So events like this, turning up and flying for people and kind of inspiring the next generation and, and showing what's possible with uh, this technology, all the way down to, um, you know, client experiences. So I'm actually heading to California after this to, to run training and people are coming to have a go, which is the, the most amazing feeling. Um, all the way down to launching a race series too. So imagine like eight of these racing around each other, like really close up. It would be just insane. So that's in the cards too. All the way down to application in real world scenarios. So search and rescue, uh, military application too all of that kind of realm, all the way down to social media and inspiring and all that kind of stuff. So lots of different revenues, but the things that I'm most excited about are obviously racing. I mean, who doesn't want to, for one, who doesn't want to fly a jet suit? It's pretty, pretty wild. Um, let alone racing them. That's going to be very exciting and high entertainment. Um, all the way down to search and rescue. That's something that we're very proud of being a part of. Um, being able to deliver first response um, to a casualty is, is quite remarkable. So flying up mountainsides to try and save someone's life and reduce that response time is something that we're really proud of trying to integrate into the world. That is really cool. I, I started off uh, early 
early in my uh, adult life, I was a hospital corpsman in the U.S. Navy Reserve. Uh, what I learned very quickly was that meant I really had joined the U.S. Marine Corps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so I spent a lot of time uh, out in the dirt uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, infantry. Uh, we did a lot of uh, air assault exercises, things like that. And I was just thinking about how cool this would have been to have uh, in in that capacity. No, definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, as a hospital corpsman, just thinking about just what you yeah. described. If we needed to go out and provide care to somebody, hopping on a jetpack, going up a few yeah. hundred feet and taking no, exactly care of them that. in an instant sounds amazing. No, exactly that. And it's it's something that is, is truly game-changing. And we've worked with lots yes. of different search and rescue teams um, across the world, mainly in the UK. Um, and we have a couple of medics that are actually trained up that can fly now. Um, and for example, um, we did this amazing exercise up in the Lake District in the UK. Um, uh, up a mountainside called Helvellyn. Um, now, 80% of the year, there's very low cloud cover and helicopter response cannot call out because mm -hmm. of the low cloud cover and it cannot land. So it has to be a foot response up to the mountain. Now, it takes about an hour and 40 minutes to do the 2,000 foot to get to the mountain, plus whatever the response time is to be called out there anyway. So, for example, if you've fallen off a mountain or you, you're having a heart attack and you need a defib or open heart surgery for some reason, your life is in critical condition and you need to get to that casualty to stabilize them as soon as possible. So an hour and 40 minute response from the base of the mountain is an eternity. That's sure. it's game over. Um, I mean, we flew up there first try in three and a half minutes, three and a half minutes. That is unbelievably fast for what we can do. So to reduce that response time to stabilize that patient is a truly game-changing thing. And it would be used in a very niche market in that kind of field. If you've sprained your ankle, sorry, but you're going to have to wait. Um, it's that real last minute response where you need to get to them as soon as you can in that tough environment, that what we can do really well. You know, why clamber up a rock with a load of gear on when you can fly over it effortlessly? So, yeah, I saw that video earlier when yeah, your good. CEO said it, and I was I was blown away by that. That is really incredible and, and is game changing. Yeah, it is. And I was actually there. For, I was support for that event. So I was there with my boss who did the flight, uh, Richard. and. I was the only person that didn't know that he did it because I had to run up the mountain to check that he he was okay and I could yeah. come back down. So I was like trying to run up this 2000 foot mountain, not knowing if he'd done it or not when he already wow. did it. So, and I met him halfway and he just popped up out of, the, out of nowhere. And I was like, oh my, you've done it. What? This is, this is crazy. So it was really amazing to see that. And, and the fact that he did it with loads of fuel left and could just continue and could have done longer is truly game changing. And also like you saw in that video, all of the drones that were filming it, they dropped out of the sky. We lost <laughs> our Skydio that's a self-following drone because it lost the range in the in the cloud visibility. The drone lost GPS and got lost and the helicopter couldn't land. So it was a perfect scenario that, to show what we can do. So Absolutely perfect. Well, it must be very fulfilling knowing that this is the work that you're doing, that it's for, uh, creating a real impact and definitely frankly, changing yeah. the world. Yeah, definitely. It's something that we're most proud of being a part of. Um, we obviously have lots of different kind of realms that we, we we stem into so like the racing and the client training and events and all that kind of thing but to do something like search and rescue and and mountain rescue is honestly something that we really want to push because it is saving people's lives you know if we can make a better difference in this world then why why don't we not do it you know we've got to do it you know yeah uh, you know chris adams asked uh, the question 
the the final question uh, in the uh, in the uh, um, the grand hall yep. uh, at the end of the presentation, and he beat me to the question because I was getting ready to raise my hand as an economic developer. I'm going, we need that here. He he asked, when are you going to bring the race series to Bentonville? or to uh, Northwest Arkansas. I think we've got this beautiful Beaver Lake out there uh, that that would be a perfect location for it. It's a very good question, yeah. Um, so I can't really say too much yet, but we are looking to start the race series very soon. It is something that is very high up on our priority list. Early next year, we will be starting. Um, we are in preparations now to do this race series and we are currently looking for more locations. And Bentonville has been such a fantastic place and everyone's so welcoming that we really do want to try and push something to come out here. So watch this space, but hopefully we'll be here for a race series in the future. Maybe, not sure yet, but yeah, we, we can get something to go, you know. Excellent. And this Beaver Lake sounds fantastic, so why not? It's a beautiful lake, yeah. so that sounds wonderful. Um, so Tech Summit, it's your your first time here. What were you expecting? And what are you, you've been here, uh, I guess, two days now. Uh, what are you, uh, what's your experience been? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's first time at this Tech Summit and it has been a fantastic place. I mean, like I've been saying about this local area and, and here, everybody's been so interested and, and engaging and very welcoming and just very nice. And it's good to see everyone. I can hear jet engines in the background, someone watching the video. Um, yeah, this tech summit has been fantastic and it's been cool to kind of go around and explore a new kind of world for us because um, we obviously are very much into tech, but um, me personally, I don't really delve into the tech side of things with a suit. So it's kind of an eye opener for me to, yeah. to kind of go around and see all these new things. Um, and we've not really kind of been able to go too much off our stand yet. So um, a bit later on, we're going to do a bit of exploring and see what else there is to be. But um, there's lots of very exciting things and amazing bits of technology here. So. Well, I'm sure it's been hard to get away from your demo booth. <laughs> You've been pretty crowded yeah, uh, over there bit, with yeah, people yeah, wanting to come uh, no, talk with great. you. So, yeah, yeah we, we're very, like everyone... What's really cool about our team as well is that everybody that is involved that sticks around is extremely passionate and driven about what we do. And I think that's really important in everyday life. If you are doing a job that it's very passionate and that's what makes you kind of like expand and grow. Um, so having that passion really makes it easy to kind of like show it off to people because I love showing people this technology because it's not often you get to be this, this close to a jet suit and to show someone and, and see their interest and then kind of deliver that information is just fantastic. So I really like doing it. So that's where I belong. Something, <laughs> something to be said for uh, no, being passionate about your yeah, job. Yeah, of and, course. And the and the you know, the really the product and the solution you have to offer. I feel the same way about Bittenville. No, exactly. Just, it's yeah. It's like living a dream. Yes, exactly that. It's it's phenomenal. And as a child, I never thought I would be doing this as my job. Um, and even in the early days when it was very new, the company was very small. Um, it was very unknowing if it was going to work out or not. And through that hard work and passion of wanting to help it grow um, has kind of led me into this kind of career where I'm sat here talking to people like you. So it, it's a fantastic opportunity to be, to be a part of. And it's very true. You've just got to be doing something you enjoy. And that it, once you've cracked that, oh, it's, it's uphill from there. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to start with, a lot, and a lot of sacrifice and risk, but it's worth it. So, uh, you bet. Definitely. Well, I know you don't have a hashtag because Bittenville story yet, uh, but because you haven't had a chance to get out and explore Bittenville yet. Uh, but uh, what are you planning on doing while you're here? Sure. Yeah. So like you were saying, it's I don't have this hashtag yet, which is very sad because um, I've not had 
had the opportunity to explore outside of this venue yet. However, I have been chatting to you quite a lot about lots of different food options, and yes. I believe you're a bit of an expert on barbecue. So um, through that, we have got some recommendations, and I think we're going to go explore the lovely food that's out here. So that's on the hit list later on, and hopefully we get to explore out into the Bentonville Square and, and go, go for a bit of a wonder. So I'll have to come back to you on that hashtag. Yeah, I love it. That'll be great. Yeah, let me know if you uh, if you come up with a story, um, you know, and, and if not, and whether you have a, Bittenville, a hashtag because Bittenville moment or not, definitely come back and see more Bittenville and, of course, and check I'll it out. I'll be delighted to come back. Honestly, I'm, I am gutted that we've got to head back tomorrow. Um, we've only just got here. I've only just got back on the timeline. It took us about 22 hours to get here of travel. Um, and we've not really left the hotel or, or venue yet. So it's got to be done. We try to make the most of the trip, um, but it's a shame we're not here for a day longer. Well, let me know when you come back and I'll make sure that uh, you get some fantastic experiences. Oh, of course, yeah. You'll have them without my help, but but I'll make sure you get some fantastic experiences. I appreciate well. that, yeah. And we're definitely going to take you up on those recommendations because you've got some good spots we've already seen. So, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> okay, I have one last question for you. Um, and it, 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 by the way, for the audience, what I haven't told you yet is all these whimsical questions I've been asking folks, these are all generated by ChatGPT. Uh, and so here's Paul's question. Um, if you could create a new planet, what would it be like? That is, is a very interesting question there. Um, I mean, I, I've been big into adventure sports and like parkour and free running and jumping all over the place. So I think if there was a new planet, it would have to be basically exactly like Earth because otherwise we wouldn't be able to exist. Um, However, I would have some kind of like moon-like gravity, maybe midway. So you could like, you could still live your everyday life and it's perfect, but you could just launch off and jump around in free space a bit more. Because that would be amazing. Like, I think that would be fantastic to be able to jump from, you know, triple your jump distance and do that kind of stuff. I think that would be insane. And you could really open up a lot of different realms in all kinds of activities, I think, and, and really amplify a lot of different things. So like, I do a lot of skateboarding and a lot of rock climbing. So I can imagine you could do some crazy stuff with less gravity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. Be by the way, there's some great rock climbing close to here. So don't say know that. that when you come Can't back. say that. Um, that there. And, and in fact, uh, I got to stay now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we call ourselves yeah. the mountain biking capital of the yes. world and we're rapidly becoming just the cycling capital of the yeah. world. But the next two sports that are really evolving here in terms of the world starting to get to know us yeah. are climbing and paddle sports. And no so, way. That's brilliant. Yeah. Come on. Oh, I need to, I didn't realize there was some, some, some here. So I've, I've actually brought my shoes and my harness. So <laughs> I, it could be done. So someone needs to take me out. Um, in fact, but yeah, I definitely when I'm back, I'll, I'll make sure I, I do a lot more sightseeing. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big blessing that I get to travel to these kind of places. But it's very annoying that I don't get to go sightseeing all the time because at the end of the day, it's work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those things. But like I said, we're very lucky that later on, we've got some lucky recommendations for yourself and we'll be exploring. But that's a very big shame about the rock climbing because I would have been I'll up give you that. one yeah. more then. And, and by the way, I'll say first that, you know, I used to fly hundred up to 150,000 miles a year and, and people were like, oh, that's amazing. You get to go to all these places. And well, the shameful part was I didn't get to see the places. Yeah, I just working. got to go to them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the other one I'll give you then is I believe it's in either September or October. I think it's the end of September uh, every year at this place called Horseshoe Canyon. Right. A couple hours from here near Jasper, Arkansas, yeah, yeah. Uh, deep into the, the Ozark Mountains is uh, um, an event 
every year that's called the 24 hours of horseshoe hell and it's 24 hours of climbing and there's a giant party that goes with it too that's here that's here no way i have heard of this wonderful see now you really okay, have I'm coming reason. next year <laughs> excellent done perfect well, yeah Paul, yeah done i've heard it's absolutely brutal as well i guess yeah. I've, I've i've watched many videos on that that's that do you know what I, that makes a lot of sense actually because i was trying to think about where that was like not too long ago actually and i didn't realize it was here that's mad there yeah. you go. Well, this is your hashtag because Bittenville yeah. moment to discover that it's there here. Now you've had at least Done. one. Yeah, great. yeah. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. It's been thank a great you for conversation. It's been great. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Hey, let me introduce you to Dejan Enols, who is the founder and CEO of Renewed Robotics. <laughs> Dejan, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. Hey, what would you like the Bentonville Beacon audience to know about you? Um, one thing to know about me is that I really care about sustainable technology. Um, I really want to do anything that I make or push, produce into the world. I want it to last a long time and be here for the good of humanity as long as that thing is around. Well, wonderful. Sounds like you're doing exactly the business you should be doing. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, you moved here just, what, about three years ago? Where'd you move from? Yeah. So I moved here from the Portland area. I actually moved there after I left my time as a Marine uh, aviation mechanic. So my spouse and I are originally from Maryland. I joined the Marine Corps in 2019. And oh, I joined the Marine Corps, sorry, in 2014. I left the Marine Corps in 2019. I lived in the Portland area, and then I started attending University of Arkansas shortly after, and that's when I moved here. Perfect. Thank you for your service, by the way. Yeah, thank you for paying your taxes. <laughs> you, you betcha. Well, I, I uh, in my first uh, stint, military uh, stint, I spent my time as a hospital corpsman in the Navy. Okay, yeah, well, uh, which thank you. Essentially meant I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I found out myself uh, running around out in the dirt. Uh, Marine Corps infantry doing air assault, all that fun stuff. Oh, it was sorry. a blast. <laughs> oh no, I loved it. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're a rough crowd to hang out with sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was younger and thinner then. That's oh. the only reason I loved it. <laughs> well, uh, talk about renewed robotics. What is the problem that you solve? Who are you doing it for? And how do you do it? Yeah. So renewed robotics is a company that I started, and the primary issue that I wanted to solve is homelessness and housing insecurity whether it be from natural disaster or just from socioeconomic issues. There's a lot of people that are left without the means to take a shower and drink water and have somewhere to lay their head at night. And so what I really wanted to do was to build a futuristic tech company that's solving real problems for real people. Neat. How does your, how does your product work? What's the product? Yeah. How does it work? So Renewed Robotics, our first product that we plan on manufacturing is called the SAM or a self-assembling municipality. This device is a self-assembling and self-sustaining tiny home. You'll be able to drop this off and it'll dig its own foundation, unfold and have solar panels as well as a HVAC, dirty and clean water filter and everything else that a home needs. But now it can be automatically set up and automatically moved. That's cool. Well, I've seen your prototype or your small model. Um, what, what can you tell the audience what stage of uh, your company is in and what's the next major milestone that you need to achieve? Yeah, so we've actually, thank you for asking, by the way. So we've reached several milestones when it comes to finishing the design as well as receiving letters back from the U.S. Patent Certification Office. And now we're taking that design and scaling it 
from that CAD model, kind of apartment size, garage size model into a one-one scale that people can walk into. So we're kind of transitioning off of the computer desk and off of the drawing board and now into a real world one-one scale model. Um, we've just started applying for grants and taking in income so that we can start building that out. That's cool. And how can people be helpful to you? Yeah, so there's two main ways. There's a donate option on the Renewed Robotics webpage. Um, there you're welcome to go in and donate as much as you want. Or if you see yourself ever needing a self-assembling and self-sustaining house in the future, you can now go to RenewedRobotics.com and pre-order and save yourself one in line. And that would let me know that you're on board with the program. Oh, neat. I love it. Um, let's talk about Northwest Arkansas Tech Summit. This is your first time here. Uh, what were you expecting? And in this first few hours, what, what have you gotten out of it so far? Yeah, so it's an awesome tech summit. I really didn't know exactly what to expect. I knew there was going to be technology, not only from the region, but people coming to the region to kind of show off what they can bring in. And so I was really anticipating really a, a big array and diverse group of not only technology being brought, but the people that it was going to bring as well. And I can say that within the first few hours, I'm pretty satisfied with the result. I see people coming to my booth and they're either bringing software technology or hardware technology or just questions, which are also really welcome. So. Yeah, yeah. And you're not kidding on the diversity of the audience even, right? Yeah. Like, people. I mean, you've got everything from high school students to top leaders at Fortune One. Yeah, I've seen a couple of CEOs of Fortune One companies. I've also seen some very eager 16-year-olds from Bentonville High School, uh -huh. as well as students that came from Texas and California just to get a hands-on where the new technology is going to be developed in America. And a lot of people believe that Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas can definitely be that spot. Sure. So um, you've been here a few years. Let's talk about, uh, I'd love to hear if you have what I like to call a hashtag because Bentonville story. That's something that happened where you look at it and you go, I think that could only happen here. Oh, absolutely. So my spouse and I, we sometimes have this joke that all greenways lead back to Walmart, kind of how all roads lead to Rome. Not false. And so, <laughs> so we will we'll go for bike rides sometimes. And we like to see the nature out here in Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas, but it's also pretty easy to get overzealous and kind of just go for too long of a ride. <laughs> yeah. And I think only in Bentonville could I get lost and then know that I found myself because I found the Greenway. And so knowing that I hopped on that Greenway, I'm going to be back at a Walmart within about five minutes. It's probably <laughs> only in Bentonville is where I can have a story like that. Uh, that that's right. And, uh, you know, when it's done, that Greenway will run right through the middle of the new Walmart home office. The new headquarters is 350 acres um, of an, an incredible, um, an incredible campus. Yeah, building. the biking accessibility in Bentonville was pretty insane, whether it be the Ledger, I believe, mm -hmm. the world's first completely bikeable building, or just the greenways that run through all of Northwest Arkansas, whether it be as far north, I think, as, I don't know, the most Bella Vista. north, Bella yep. Vista. And then I don't think they go as far south as Fort Smith. I think it stops in lower Fayetteville before yeah. we get into the Ozark Mountain Range. Yeah, so, yeah. that would very be beautiful. really cool. That's and I'd love fun. to see it get extended to Fort Smith. That would be incredible. Especially the Ozarks are beautiful. If you could get yeah. down to 40, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in due time. But I think with the bike path getting built out, it's it's achievable for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oz Trails, Trailblazers. Runway Group, <laughs> if you're listening out there, um, there's a great project for you. We'd love to see it. Um, hey, the uh, last question I have for you, Dejan, is um, if you could only read one book or watch one movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm, this is it's a toughie. Um, so we're, we're talking Deserted Island, one movie, one book? Sure. I'm thinking, um, is this because I'm... Uh, a, a empathetic person, uh, I would go for The Great Gatsby. Um, oh. I like it because it's 
it's a tale and it's an adventure. And this person goes through these fantastic journeys and tells all types of lies and gets caught up in all types of mishaps. But you realize at the end that they only did it for love and that it was all just in the pursuit of someone who we thought was waiting for him on the other end. I think that's kind of what humans do anything for is that they're hoping for something, some green light on the other end to fulfill whatever all their woes were for. So I think it's a really, really cool book, really cool American classic. <laughs> that is a great answer. I think we'll stop right there. Okay, thank Dejan, you. Dejan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, let me introduce you to Lonnie Emmerd, who is the Apprenticeship Director for the Arkansas Center for Data Sciences. Lonnie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, James. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Well, glad to have you here. And the first question I have for you is what would you like the Bentonville Beacon audience to know about you? Well, the reason I'm here in Arkansas is very intentional, right? So I've been 40 years in the IT profession, right? My last major uh, function was the deputy CIO at Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina. Learned a lot about what it takes to grow our own talent. What we did there was really the precursor for what you see nationally now, talking about apprenticeship models in areas other than trades and construction. Mm -hmm. And we've been so fortunate here in the state of Arkansas since I came here to lead the country in the number of IT apprenticeships. And that says so much about leadership, I think state state government, I think direction, especially with what's happening here in Northwest Arkansas, all those things attribute to this. But the reason Lonnie Emmert is here, right, was to bring that model when, when Charles Morgan at First Orion said, hey, I'm the chairman of the board of ACDS. Uh, what do we need to do differently to address this tech talent gap? And I said, I've got a proven model if you're ready. And he said, what's it gonna take? And guess what? That's what we've done is implemented an end-to-end -end model, very unique, different than most anybody else in the country's doing and it's working. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here in Arkansas then. Well, thanks. Um, ACDS, what is ACDS and uh, wh what do you do? Yeah, so the Arkansas Center for Data Sciences was actually formed out of the Governor's Blue Ribbon Commission. Very, very, uh, very fortunate in the fact that uh, uh, Charles Morgan as the chairman of the board, as well as a bunch of other CEOs, CIOs and, and university presidents had gotten together and realized that we talk about the tech gap a lot. We know that we're doing everything we can in education to produce more graduates in computer science and tech related fields. We know it's a rapidly dynamic changing environment. The point was, is that we, we got to figure out a better way. And, uh, and this approach to being able to take a non-traditional candidate, right? The idea that the apprenticeship model is open to a much more diverse population than is currently going to school for computer science, right? So the idea of being able to take career changers that might've gotten a degree in something else and can't find the right job, right? Most mm -hmm. jobs are technical now anyway. Uh, folks coming back from the military, non-college goers that couldn't afford to go to school, uh, females and minorities that just didn't find their way into our profession and we need them, right? Yeah. That's who we've reached out to as this non-traditional candidate and basically created a bridge. And I use that, James, very specifically because in some ways the idea of an employer who sits on one side of the chasm and yeah. basically looks out and says, uh, I can't see anybody. I'm looking for this kind of talent. Where are they? And yet we've got this whole, uh, you know, kind of open the aperture, if you will, to Arkansans who look at those same jobs and go, I think I could do that. You know, with a little bit of technical training, I could do that. Well, they don't know how to find those employers and those employers don't know how to find them. So what we've done is we've created the bridge and that bridge to success has been the registered apprenticeship program. 
because it actually allows an employer with a little bit of a mental paradigm to say, hey, you're going to be a good fit for my company. I know I can teach tech. They find them earlier, right? They come across that bridge halfway. And then the candidate who realizes, you know, with interest, with a little stick to I take a few classes, get a cert. Maybe I just show intentionality. They'll find me because ACDS has created kind of this match made in Arkansas, you know, match made in heaven, match yeah. made in Arkansas. And that's exactly what we've done to the tune of over 700 apprentices in the last four years, 131 companies at this point, small, medium and large, right? It's the two person entrepreneurial startup here in Northwest Arkansas, side by side, all the way to Walmart and everywhere in between, right? So it applies to everybody that's listening to this, James, in the fact that somebody could be that candidate, they may know that candidate, as well as every company deserves to hear this message. We're not twisting anybody's arm, right? It doesn't cost somebody anything to work with ACDS because we are a nonprofit that's been funded by federal, state, and private funding, right? So we have made it as easy as possible, eliminated every barrier to entry for an employer to say yes. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I love this because you're creating, uh, sometimes we think about access as a one-way thing. That's like this person needs access, but you're giving access to companies too. And that's really neat. Um, which governor, by the way, uh, which governor's loop? Uh, so that, that was Governor was Hutchinson at the time in 2018. Okay. And I'll just say that uh, Governor Sanders is so impressed with what we're doing and she heard about it leading nationally. She said, hey, if you're doing this for IT, couldn't you do this for manufacturing and energy and transportation and healthcare? So Great. we've taken our model and expanded it. We haven't changed our focus. We hired uh, employer engagement directors for energy and manufacturing. They'll handle all of that interface with different employers. But what we've done end to end in the apprenticeship model to interface with the Department of Labor, project managed to cover the cost of the training, that applies to any occupation. Yeah, well, I love what I'm hearing out of this administration and the, with respect to workforce. I mean, this is the first administration that's had a cabinet level that where workforce has been at the cabinet level, which is kind of mind blowing to me. And I wonder about the rest of the country, how true that might be uh, as well. But I mean, workforce has become in the last few years, the number one thing that's economic development now. And people are finally realizing it's time. To Nobody's do immune and everybody's looking for an answer. And I will tell you this, that having been an executive, I've sat on the other side of the, yeah. of the table. And what I think we have to do in terms of an ecosystem, especially here in NWA, is work together. Nothing worse than having a company here, five and six different folks come to the table and say, oh, I got the greatest thing since sliced bread and here it is. If we can go there as a unified front, that we understand mm -hmm. the demand and we've got this model that works that reaches every population, every demographic, it doesn't do anything except, listen, let's identify the best of breed training, no matter what the occupation. And now how do we fold that together in a way that's easy for the employer and really opportunistic for a candidate? It just works. Absolutely. Well, so here we are at the Northwest Arkansas Tech Summit. Uh, what You've been here a few times. What's your experience has been in the past? And what are you expecting to get out of Tech Summit this year? Well, having been to a lot of these across the country in my day, I think we've got a really something special going on here in Northwest Arkansas. And part of that is a byproduct of the fact that uh, engagement really means something. It should it should mean something beyond shaking a hand here at the Tech Summit. Mm -hmm. It means what are we going to do between now and next Tech Summit? You know, what kind of progress, what kind of impact are we going to have? And I see that amongst the partners, the employers, the vendors, people that come from all over. They see something different here. I certainly you know see it differently. And I think part of our role is to feel like we've created community. Uh, I mean, it's easy to talk about collaboration. It really mm -hmm. is. It's hard to do. 
right? And we've worked really diligently to talk about nobody has to lose their image. We don't care who gets the credit, right? The point is, is that the success is in the fact that we've raised the median income, we've given opportunity to folks that otherwise would have never had it, and we've got employers who are going, not only am I growing, but we got folks from all over the country saying, how do I move my company there? Or yeah. how do I bring a part of my business there? Because I need to take advantage of what's going on. Yeah, we certainly do have a lot of that going on. Uh, you know, folks from really all over the country and all over the world are bringing their companies here, whether it's a headquarters or it's the presence of one person, or oftentimes an office in between, that's what's happening. Uh, you know, I mentioned it to somebody earlier, but a lot of people would be surprised to find out how uh, about the tech presence that's here. And in fact, Bentonville in particular has exactly the same density of tech workers as San Francisco, which is, I think, shocking news to a lot of people. Yeah, and, uh, it, and it's, a, it's a message that I think all of us have a hand in being able to uh, to portray, to be able to uh, communicate it mm -hmm. and communicate it in a way that we show that we're not a bunch of individuals, but a really a, a pretty cool environment ecosystem. That's exactly right. Um, so speaking of Bentonville, will you share a story and make it a hashtag because Bentonville story? That's something where you look at it and you think, I think that could only happen there. Well, I don't know if it can only happen here, but I think, sure. you know, one of the things that's really always struck me as, as unique. And I come from a large company, Blue Cross Blue Shield, South Carolina. I worked for Amoco Production Company, one of the largest petroleum companies in the world for my first 15 years. So I understand big companies. But I think the impact that Walmart has in this area uh, is stretches beyond really what people can even fathom. And when I say that, and I say what's something that can only happen in Bentonville, you know, they're a big partner of ours. And we're getting ready to help them go national with a lot of the occupations that aren't just in IT. Sure. And and in the midst of that, you know, the story that comes to mind is they were filling their UX design cohort for external apprentices. Right. They did an internal cohort advancing people from within the company to have great opportunity. But then we found them 24 outside the company. And one of those was a mother of six who had been out of the workforce for 15 years, had a real desire to get back into tech, didn't know the first thing about how am I going to do that? Right. Oh, wow. And so being able to have her engage with us go through the process, connect her to that interview for them to look and go, this is the kind of person we're looking for, right? We're looking for, you know, uh, I'll call it uh, underserved populations or people who might've thought they couldn't find their way as a non-traditional candidate. Mm -hmm. And so having that individual tell her story about what she's doing now. And, and to me, that's just evidence of it's happening all over the place, but only in Bentonville with Walmart giving an opportunity like that to somebody, you know, that, uh, might have otherwise never gotten that chance. And we're just glad we were a part of that process. So, uh, you know, chalk it up. I, th I think we're seeing that all over the state, but clearly in Bentonville, because of the relationship of organizations, you as well as others with, with a Walmart that's so willing to be that community partner. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love that. I love how they connect to the community and uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, so. Well, take a situation like that, whether you're the individual or you're the company and you're hearing this, you on this podcast or seeing you on this podcast yep. right now, if you're thinking, well, what's the next step that I take to get involved and to do something through ACDS? How do I do that? What, what's that answer? Well, I'll tell you what, that's a great question, James. And I'm going to look at the audience for this one. Every time I attend these and knowing that there's such a great uh, energy about this, the place right now and will be for the next few days. Everybody walks away having made great contacts, 
they shook a hand, they grabbed a business card, they, you know, applied for a drawing, whatever, they, they were excited. It really is important when somebody says, gosh, but what is my next step? And the next step for a candidate is, we hope that they talk to other employers and, and other organizations like ours, but do come to acds.co, do put in your application, do find out how we can coach and help you to be able to find these opportunities that I've been talking about. That's clearly a next step for individuals, whether you're a student, a career changer, military person coming back and not sure what, what your next step is, that might be the right thing. For companies, no matter how large, small you are, I think if you're looking at this talent dilemma and saying, you know, if you're a company that can find people, uh, train people and keep people, I just wanna shake your hand and say congratulations, right? Because that's a great thing. Most companies though are gonna say, no, we need help. This is a really interesting time and uh, we need every bit of help we can get. We think that ACDS can be your kind of your consultant and your partner. We're not gonna twist your arm. We're not gonna sell you anything. We're really here to make you an informed decision maker because most companies probably go to campus and hire. They probably uh, convert contractors if they're large enough. They probably put a lot of jobs on Indeed and hire experienced hires every time they get a chance. But many of you don't understand the value and the power of a registered apprenticeship program. We want you to have that strategy in your tool belt. And for that, feel free to contact me, Lonnie Emmerd, or anybody in our organization, and we'll set up a time to talk about next steps. Awesome, Lonnie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey, let me introduce you to Scott Benedict, who is an affiliate partner at McMillan Doolittle. Scott, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, what should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? Well, so uh, I used to work for a large retail company based here locally. You may have heard of We've them. We've heard of them, yeah. Walmart and Sam's Club and spent a number of years there, both in the physical and digital side of retail. But uh, I... I came back to the area here just a few years ago after spending some time teaching at Texas A&M and uh, have been with some here companies here locally, including my, my current employer, McMillan Doolittle. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, um, talk. Oh, you said something really important there. So you've got about how much time here total? About 20 years? Uh, about 20 years in total. This is actually my third time living here in Northwest Arkansas. So I think I'm I'm getting the message that this is where I'm supposed to be. So maybe it'll stick this time. <laughs> Welcome back again. Thank you. Um, talk about change. How has this place, Northwest Arkansas, and of course Bentonville in particular, how has it changed over that 20 years? Well, so I, I think the most obvious visual is when you spend any time in the Bentonville Square, because as I was telling somebody last week, I had lunch at Table Mesa, mm -hmm. and I was telling them that that used to be an office supply store for many years. And normally there was, on any given weekday, if you were on the square, there was nobody else there. Well, this particular day when we were, ha we were coming out of Table Mesa, the square was full, could not get a parking spot, just all sorts of really neat activity going on. And I think that that's indicative of the area in total is what you see on the square is it's kind of become a hub of activity and not just of retailing, although retailing plays a part of it. Yeah, it is amazing what has happened with that square. And it's just, it's, you're, you're right about like the stuff happening there. I've had people tell me when they come to visit Bentonville uh, and I ask them about, you know, well, how's it been so far? And some will say, well, I've been here a couple of days and it's amazing. They'll go into all this stuff and they'll, 
end up talking about the square. Or I have folks who say, well, honestly, I've only been here a few hours, but I've been to the square and it doesn't seem like a particularly busy day, but there's people out and about, they're doing stuff. Absolutely. And they say, you can feel the energy of this place standing there. And they're like, I don't know how to describe that other than to say that. And I, I think, and I've heard that more than once without any prompting. From I, I would agree. And I have the context because I've lived here, moved away and come back now for a third time. You can feel it, particularly if, if you've been away for a period and you come back. And you sense uh, that it's just it's a it's a more exciting place today than I think it, it has been from my time first coming here up until now. Excellent. Well, will you talk about McMillan Doolittle? What is it? What's the problem that you solve uh, there? For who, for whom do you solve it? And, Absolutely. Uh, how do you do that? Absolutely. Well, so uh, uh, McMillan Doolittle is a an international retail consulting firm. The company is actually based out of. Chicago, mm -hmm. but I represent our local uh, uh, our local uh, placement here in this community, and really our our job is to help both retailers and consumer brands uh, transform themselves for the digital age. And so our our tagline is transforming retail because there's so much help that brands and retailers require to really serve customers and to prepare themselves for how. The business is evolving. So we, we not only have clients here in the U.S., but we have clients uh, in other markets uh, 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 around the world. And we're part of a, a consortium of retail consulting firms called the Epitoff Group that has affiliates across Europe, Asia, and other parts of the world in addition to here. And the consistent thing is, is transforming your business to serve a customer in the digital age is really what we're all about. So. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm surprised by the number of companies that aren't ready for that yet. That must be really good business for you. It, well, it is. And I think, you know, if there's a silver lining that came out of the pandemic is that changed how the consumer shopped and accelerated trends that were already happening. And I think a lot of businesses, after they transitioned out of that, we just have to survive the pandemic to now think about, well, how do we go forward in this mm -hmm. omni-channel digital first age? Now they're kind of catching their breath and saying, we need to have a strategy. We need to have a plan as to how we serve our customers going forward. Yeah, you bet. So here you are at the Northwest Park Arkansas Tech Summit. Is this your first time? This is my first time at the Tech Summit, and, I, and I've really enjoyed it so far, I have to tell you. Excellent. Well, what were you expecting in these first few hours? What uh, has been your impression so far? What have you gotten out of it? Well, what's interesting is, is I always have believed that a lot of the challenges facing our industry, uh, facing retail, technology is an enabler and a problem solver. And so far, just the presentations that I've seen and the, uh, the speakers I've heard have only confirmed that fact that there are a lot of different ways that not only can technology make things easier, make them uh, more efficient. But in many faces, some of the most uh, challenging elements of the business happening to retailers today, technology can serve them a lot of different ways to solve those problems and to, to serve their customers in, in new and exciting ways. That's cool. Um, okay, so Bentonville, you yes. must have some stories. I'd love to hear probably a dozen, but we have time for one. Uh, your hashtag because Bentonville story, something that happened that could 
maybe only happen in Bentonville. <laughs> well, it, it's it's interesting because uh, when we first moved here uh, in the late 90s, uh, we were at a restaurant and my daughter, who's an adult now, was a little girl, a, a little baby. And we were in a local restaurant and, and she was kind of misbehaving a little bit like babies do. And this very nice older lady came by and said, what a, what a lovely daughter, lovely child she was. And, and we thanked her and she was so very nice. And as it turns out, that was Miss Helen. Oh, and, how nice. And she and her, her brother, uh, were having lunch at that restaurant and just came by and, and it, it, we were so new to Walmart at the time. I didn't realize that's, that's who she was until later, but she could not have been nicer. And that stuck with us all these years. So. That's very cool. Uh, you know, I had an experience recently where my three-year-old turned a corner and almost ran right into Jim Walton. And he just looked down and smiled at him. Not, <laughs> he didn't look displeased at all. And just, there's such, I've discovered such nice, pleasant people to be around. And it's just more of the DNA and culture of this community. Indeed. Indeed. Sure. Um, Last question for you, Scott. This is a really important question. Okay. Is e-commerce just a fad? (laughs) Uh, uh, As it turns out, no, it's not. And it's interesting you should ask me that because... Uh, I was working for another retail company when I was recruited by what was then called Walmart Online, which grew up to become Walmart.com. And when I, I told the CEO of the retailer that we were, I was working for at the time, uh, yes, I, I, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go work on this project, this, this startup team within Walmart that's focused on e-commerce. And his, his comment to me was, you know, this whole e-commerce thing is just a fad, right? And I said, well, respectfully, sir, I don't, I don't think so. And I thought that that, that company, and I won't mention uh, who, who it was, was particularly well, well versed, well set up to be successful in e-commerce. And he just kind of shook my head. And you know, here we are all these years later. And, and as it turns out, Walmart is pretty good at, at these things while still being very good at stores. And that company went bankrupt. So, <laughs> well, I think I'm that not right about everything, <laughs> but I was right about that. So, <laughs> great job, Scott. Thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Okay, let me introduce you to Missy Liu, who is the managing partner at Life Mission Capital. Missy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, James. Glad to be talking again since yesterday. (laughs) Wonderful having you here. Uh, Will you talk about yourself? What should the audience know about you? Yeah. um, When I think of my identities, you know, first is uh, um, I'm a Christ follower and I'm a wife and I'm an older sister and uh, I love dancing and uh, uh, I'm a first generation immigrant. So when you mix all those together, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. Where did you come here from? I'm originally from China. I came here when I was 16 as a high school exchange student. Uh, so I came here by myself. So I, I was the first person in the family to kind of plan here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I have to ask, what was that experience like? Uh, it was... Uh, um, it was uh, exciting and also at some point it was uh, a little bit scary. I remember yeah. the time where I was having lunch in the bathroom during high school because I didn't know who to have lunch with. I don't know if you recall for public high schools, for a lot of people, it's like a weird experience because they don't know who to sit lunch with sometimes. 
being that that was, you know, first couple of days, the first couple of months in the U.S., I was like, I didn't know where to sit. And there were some mean people. So oh. I remember one with two times that where I was eating lunch in the bathroom and I was crying. But you know, I'm obviously way past that, you know, building a lot more confidence and uh, myself as well. Um, but that's kind of the humble beginning of, oh, wow. of the cultural exchange. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Uh well, something I would not have thought of, uh, but thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, just because you ask, I, I don't usually share that, but yeah. <laughs> well, you just shared it with the world. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, how low you can go, how high you can go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, talk about Life Mission Capital. Yeah. Um, what is it? What's the problem that you solve at Life Mission Capital? Who do you solve it for and how do you do that? Yeah. So Life Mission Capital uh, was designed to help... Um, busy professional, a lot of times first and gen second generation immigrants like me, to help them focus on building their wealth in their sleep so they can focus on what matters. Uh, it could be their family members, their hobbies, whatever they might be, um, so they can see the bigger picture of life. Oh, wonderful. That's very cool. Um, talk about Tech Summit then. Why are you here at uh, the Northwest Arkansas Tech Summit? At, well, what are you expecting to get out of it in your first year? Yeah, uh, so this is where just in day one, um, there's a couple of things I'm excited about. I'm excited to meet with uh, people who are in tech, you know, I'm also in tech and data analytics, so to talk about AI, and I'm also excited to um, meet uh, with people, female leaders. There are some workshops uh, designed on female leaders, female startups, um, and also develop high-impact teams. Um, I think it's great that you know, you're doing this here because you know, we need to attract all kinds of business, big business, small business, and building team. All those are very important topics to building a business and economy and economic development. So that's what I'm excited about, the data, the future, and the people element of it. Cool. Glad to, glad to do that. I'd like to be able to share stories like yours and and, and talk to all the different uh, folks here. It's, it's really neat learning about everybody's backgrounds and experiences and what they're getting out of this. Um, talk about last night. We had the opening reception last night. You were there at the Scott Family Amazium. How was that? Yeah, it was actually my first time in the Amazium. It was great. Um, funny story. So where we were talking, right? I think there was a little uh, section that teaches kids how to cook and stuff. Uh -huh. And we already had food separately on another like another room, mm -hmm. but I thought the food, like the bagels and stuff were real. <laughs> I was almost going to grab it. I was like, this doesn't seem right. We just had food that's like actual dinner food. How are we having like baguettes and croissants here? <laughs> and then I caught myself, I was like, wow, they're doing something really good here. They looks almost so real. So I think it was a great location and uh, it was great to see how Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas are coming together um, to build, um, you know, the tech, the economic development in the area. Um, I'm a huge, you know, component of uh, proponent of uh, building more uh, of the local areas and uh, bring more talent in here, but also grow the talent we have. So I think it was great to see that partnership with the keynote speakers, um, and also great to meet people. I had a great time chatting with you again and a few other people as well. Yeah, it's it's a really neat thing that uh, that Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas are doing. Clearly, we're in two different states. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not normally a partnership that you see, but I think anymore those sort of political or legal boundary lines, many people are starting to see as need needing to be erased when you talk about economy and how places can build together. And we're discovering that across uh, Northwest Arkansas and Tulsa. 
Yeah, it actually is very true. Uh, in fact, I run a meetup in the area called the Northwest Arkansas Commercial Real Estate Meetup. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been a little bit over a year in running it. One of the visions of the meetup is to have a tri-state conference. Yeah. So concerned that we're you know, next to Missouri and Oklahoma, you know, speaking of the topic of collaboration across the states, we want to bring more of the real estate interest and the real estate experiences kind of across the states as well. Um, you know, as I started my own business, right? Like I also network with a lot of people who are fund managers like me or uh, syndicators like me. I realized that when we compete, there's actually like it's really devastating a lot of mm -hmm. times. But when we actually change that to collaborating, we're actually coming with a lot of opportunities. So it's great what you guys are doing. And I'm thinking uh, along similar lines of things in my business and the community I'm trying to build with the commercial real estate in the area as well. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, speaking of real estate, red hot real estate in Northwest Arkansas, as well as Bentonville. So can you talk about I guess, maybe share a story about Bentonville, call it the hashtag because Bentonville story that we do on the show where you talk about something that happened that maybe could only happen here. Yeah. So when I moved from uh, Chicago back to Northwest Arkansas, specifically Bet Me in 2019, I purchased my first home. Mm. That was kind of the start of my real estate journey. I house hacked it, meaning I rented out the rooms to my friends and I was collecting rent on them. And that basically essentially replaced my mortgage, right? I was fairly financially um, independent uh, because of that, uh, even though it was only two rooms. But because of that house, I actually was able to refinance, get money out to passively invest into commercial real estate, right? Not to talk about the specific numbers, but mm -hmm. we all know how much Bentonville has appreciated, right? Like yep. if I bought it for, let's just say 200,000, you almost could sell right now, right? Like four years later for 380 or 400,000, sure. right? The numbers applies to almost all areas of Bentonville. So I was grateful that even though it was a small house, it was my first home, starter home. I was able to really take that small thing and move into something bigger with commercial real estate and passive investing and that spread into helping others to passively invest as well. So that's all because of Bentonville. I wouldn't have been able to do that in many other places. Um, you know, we, we took advantage of the inflation, but we also took advantage of the growth in the area. Um, so I'm fortunate and uh, I'm blessed with that. Yeah, that is, that is quite the blessing. It, you know, it's been a blessing for a lot of folks. Um, you know, all across the country, there's this sort of middle market shortage. We're not any different than other folks in that respect. In fact, our growth has probably squeezed us a little more there oh, in yeah, some ways. Definitely. But hearing those prices that, that you gave still, I mean, 200,000 a couple in of years ago, years just crazy ago. low. Yeah. Uh, 380 is not that far off the mark. It's pretty yeah. close to the, the national media. Price, yeah. 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 So, uh, still very attractive for folks, uh, to move here, here in yeah. the area. Yeah. And especially with, you know, what well, the Walton family and what you guys yeah. are doing there to build the amenities in the area, it makes it even more attractive. I mean, yesterday, right? We heard about yeah. an interesting stats update from Robert Burns with the Walton Family mm -hmm. Foundation. He talked about used to be a couple of years ago, 30 people per day moving in. Right now it's 36, so it's like a 20% growth yeah. in how many people moving per day. And just that, 36 times um, 365, right? You're like 11, 12,000. I don't know the exact math, but yeah. right, that's like how much housing demand is needed here. So definitely continue to um, hop solve the housing challenge. It's going to be an interesting challenge to solve. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and when I moved here in 2020, I think the number was about 28 a day, oh, okay. 26, 28 a day. So I think we're somewhere still in the bottom of that that J curve mm -hmm. uh, for growth. In fact, I know we're somewhere uh, near the bottom of that J curve for growth. And so it continues to get steeper. Um, you know, w when you have that many people moving here, they're moving from all over the country. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It, you know, you hear about America and about the great melting pot. In fact, I was talking with somebody from, I believe they were from Amsterdam. Okay. And it was their first visit to Bentonville. And they had been to some other place in the, in the U.S. They had been to New York. They had been to Portland. They had been to some other places. And they said, you know, I've been around the U.S. And what I'm finding is this melting pot that y'all describe isn't that much of a melting pot. And then I came here and I realized, oh, this is it. This is what the melting pot is. This is how it works. And so I th thought that was pretty neat. But you mentioned uh, housing. I mean, like affordable housing is very important, mm -hmm. just like it is across the rest of the country. And we're leaning hard into that because we know mm -hmm. that with this growth rate, it's going to continue to to stretch us. And we've got to absolutely make sure yes. that people have house that housing that's attainable. Yeah, that, that is definitely a key. And also, um, you know, I'm also part of the ULI Urban Land Institute, which they're yeah. having the Place Summit next week. Yep. You know, for anyone who's interested in the real estate in the area, wanting to get into development, that's definitely a great institute to check out. But they talk a lot about affordable housing too. And I'm in mean, the program in there, um, learning about development, networking with the developers, to see what are other ways we can bring more affordable housing to the area too. So definitely an important topic, definitely on my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think in Bentonville and across Northwest Arkansas, uh, this is yet another area where we can lead the nation, where we can show folks how to do things mm -hmm. that 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 they can take, not exactly as we do it, right? They shouldn't try to replicate exactly what we're doing. They should do what's best for them, mm -hmm. uh, but that hopefully we can create some some models of what mm -hmm. this looks like that people can take forward. Mm -hmm. um, I have one last question for you, sure. Missy. Mm -hmm. So I hear that you had a, a whoops, almost dropped my tablet. How about that catch? <laughs> I hear that you had a milestone birthday recently. Uh, so what advice would you give to folks who are moving into a, a wiser stage of life? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think as we move into different stages, we always learn new things. And for me, uh, two things I learned. One is um, it's important to focus on what we love and also let our money and wealth multiply for us during our sleep. Uh, so well, for me, that's passively investing into commercial real estate like multifamily, mobile home parks, etc. to multiply my wealth and uh, so I have more to give as well. So that's one thing for me. I, I never thought about it that way before. Um, it was I was very limiting mindset for me. Another thing is, um, you know, don't have to spend just a couple of months doing something really intense to accomplish it. Actually, if it's something you really love, like for me, it's, you know, dancing, food, <laughs> chatting with people, just do a little bit every day and by moderate doses, you can actually get to enjoy over an extended period of time. And before you know it, you have a decade of experiences, um, you know, through the ups and downs of that journey or business, you'll have a lot more to offer to the people you're talking to as well. So, um, Build your wealth in your sleep so you have more to give and more to focus on outside that. And to summarize, the second point is, you know, do things in increments over a long period of time. You'll get to enjoy it longer. Oni, okay, build your wealth in your sleep. Do things in increments over periods of time. And I'm going to uh, I'm gonna modify that uh, uh, slightly to, to what I'm hearing is that 
those increments over those small pieces over time become magnified. Exactly. Uh, and and you have a wealth of of experiences to yeah. look back at Many and be very areas. happy about. Yeah, yeah. I think that's if essentially, you know, we're here to be able to give experiences in life, provide and receive and that experience hopefully can be life-changing for yourself and others. Yeah, so, you bet. Yeah. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much, Missy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, James. It's my pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. Our incredible guests and your enthusiasm and engagement truly make this podcast a success. It's your commitment to discovery and connection that mirrors the spirit of our community, ever vibrant and forward moving. Please consider sharing these episodes with friends and colleagues to extend the reach of the insightful discussions held at the Northwest Arkansas Technology Summit. Each discussion shared adds to the rich tapestry of Bentonville's narrative. Revisit all of our episodes at bentonvillebeacon.com or on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay in tune with the pulse of Greater Bentonville. Until we meet again, keep embracing the discussions and ideas that exemplify Greater Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas, places of innovation, community, unique charm, places where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. See you next time.